many of the things parents are doing are doing the exact opposite of that. They're actually undermining their child's uh, fun. They're undermining their experience and they're even undermining their growth and development by some of the things that, that we share in the book. And one really important disclaimer for anyone that reads the book, I don't want it, and I hope it doesn't feel remotely judgmental. I am not here to judge parents. I'm not here to tell them that this way is right and what they're doing is wrong. I simply want to offer a different perspective to get them to rethink some of the things that they do with their kids and then opt for whatever is the best fit for them. Because I would never tell someone how to parent their children. everyone and welcome into the youth hoops pod presented by pro skills basketball today gonna be having a really fun conversation i'm your host christian barber and joining me is alan stein jr alan welcome onto the pod man uh it's so great to be with you christian this will be a fun conversation yeah it's good to have you back on here i know in previous times logan or brendan has been involved just you and me today um tackling a fun topic which is a, a book uh, you have recently put out here, I, I want to say in the in the back half of 2020, I, know, I think I read online, it was supposed to come out early 2020. But obviously, the pandemic uh, shook some things up, didn't it? Um, and I think it came out late 2020, right? That is correct. Yeah. Nice. So that's called The Sideline. Um, a really good book that here at PSB, we will be including uh, within the memberships of, of people coming into our membership here in 2022. All the parents will be receiving this book. And, and I, I actually got this book Monday and I read the back of it. I've been looking into it a little bit and I read the back of it and it says, this survival guide has one goal. Boom, right there's a little dash. And just right away, I was like, wow, okay. I just, I don't know. I, it's a, it says the sideline. It's got a, you know, field on it. It's a, it's a, a youth parents book. And then it says a survival guide, you know, that that's a, a choice of words kind of hinting at it's a, this youth sports world is a crazy landscape. That's kind of the concept, right? Absolutely. And, and I know firsthand as the father of three young children, all of which are playing youth sports, um, that being a youth sports parent is not easy. I mean, just being a parent in general is arguably the most challenging job someone can have, but to, to navigate the ever-changing sports landscape um, is hard. And, and I've seen it from every angle. I mean, with no exaggeration, I've been involved in youth sports for around 40 of the 46 years I've been alive. I mean, the, the first third of that I spent as a youth high school and college athlete. The next third of that I spent as a basketball performance coach working mostly with youth and high school players. And now over the past decade, uh, have been doing that as the father. So I've seen youth sports parenting and youth sports from every angle and just wanted to provide something that parents would find as a helpful resource and guide because I'm all about supporting parents. And to provide perspective, Alan, I just got married actually in October of last year. I'm 25. I'm not a parent yet. Uh, you know, no plan. We're not, no kids in, yeah. in sight here. I'm not ready to need this survival guide just yet in my life. Um, but to add my perspective, I, I do work for pro skills here. Uh, I've worked here for two years. I'm also a, a trainer as well, have been working with, you know, kids from middle school, high school age 
for seven, eight, nine years now. And, and, you know, uh, talking with parents and just their endeavors of playing on different club teams and what their kids going through on a season and parents texting me saying this kid didn't play well, and now they're down and can you come work with them? And, and, and so I've, I've seen it from a different lens, you know, not from the parent lens, but I've been around a lot of this and involved. So I'm just really excited to, to talk a little more about this book and, and what you get into. Um, but first you kind of glossed over it really quick. Uh, but for our listeners, if they don't know who you are, I'd love just like a quick uh, kind of run through of your background and like what you brought you to right here today um, uh, chatting with me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have been a longtime fan and supporter of PSB and, and love everything that you guys do, but more importantly, uh, the way you do it and the purpose behind what you all do. So anything I can do to support you and Brendan and Logan and the, the whole crew, uh, I'm always honored to do. Um, so I was a pretty good public high school basketball player here in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. in the early 90s, uh, earned a scholarship to play down closer to your neck of the woods at Elon. Um, I played, nice. it, was, it was Elon College at the time. It's now Elon University uh, and played there from 94 to 98. Uh, and then as soon as I graduated, <clears throat> excuse me, became a basketball performance coach. Uh, at the time was called a strength and conditioning coach, but um, I started working immediately with youth and high school age basketball players uh, basically on everything except for the skill portion. I, I never taught players how to shoot or handle the ball, uh, but worked on strength, power, agility, mobility, you know, uh, all, all of the stuff that, that's pretty commonplace today, but it wasn't near as commonplace in the early 2000s and was able to work at two really renowned high schools here in the D.C. area. Uh, worked at Montrose Christian for seven years, which is where Kevin Durant graduated from. And then I worked at DeMatha Catholic High School for six years, uh, where Victor Oladipo, Markel Fultz, and a whole slew of NBA players uh, graduated from. Um, and that gave me an opportunity to do some work with Nike, uh, do some work with Jordan Brand, with USA Basketball. So really for a 15-year period, um, I was really in the throes of, of elite youth and high school basketball. And then I gave that up five years ago to pursue corporate keynote speaking, which is what I do now. But I'm still very actively involved in youth sports. But as we said before, now through the parenting lens, of just being there to support, encourage, and cheer on my own kids. Two things to highlight. Number one, uh, I, I don't know the history of it, but Coach Mike Jones at DeMatha, um, we, we did some work with. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time on Zooms with him uh, running some stuff with USA Basketball. Uh, awesome guy. So that's an awesome connection there. Uh, secondly, I know we may put some of this video out on social. There's some pictures behind you with LeBron, Kobe. Uh, you, you still glossed over some names of, of just <laughs> – Goodness, if anything, guys, you've been around, you know, you've you've been able to see them work and, and what they've gone through. Um, so from the from the middle school level, from the elementary level, from youth sports to the top, you know, you've, you've seen this full circle and, and now bringing us to I, I assume you sat down one day and said, I want to write a book about this. Well, yeah. And, and one thing that's important about my my professional experience is I've gotten to see elite basketball from two very distinct vantage points. You know, I got to work with Kevin Durant and Victor Oladipo and guys like that when they were 14 and 15 years old before they made it to the big time. So I got to see a peek behind the curtain of what it takes to become an elite player. And then that led to some work with Nike and Jordan Brand. And I got to work events for Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Steve Nash, I mean, a, a whole host of players. And I got to, to a peek behind the curtain of what once you've already reached the top of the mountaintop, what does it take to stay there? So I've seen both the before and the after picture, both of which have helped form my 
you know, a, a philosophy today. And yes, have been very fortunate to work for several remarkable coaches and Mike Jones, who is now the associate head coach at Virginia Tech, um, but yep, was a 20 year veteran coach at DeMatha is at the top of that list. Absolutely. One of the finest, not just men and leaders and basketball coaches, but just human beings that I've ever met. And, and he really had a huge impact on my perspective and philosophy, especially when it comes to dealing with parents. And to answer your question, um, I want to support parents. I, I really, uh, you know, admire, respect, and appreciate youth sports parents. But it's been my experience that many of them are slightly misguided, um, that they are valuing and emphasizing and pushing the wrong things in the wrong way. And, and they're doing it with great intention. I mean, one thing I know for certain, and, and you will know this if you choose to have children one day, these parents love their children just as much as I love my children. And they're doing what they believe is going to enhance their child's experience and enhance their career. But I found through these different lenses that I've been able to look through, many of the things parents are doing are doing the exact opposite of that. They're actually undermining their child's uh, fun. They're undermining their experience. And they're even undermining their growth and development by some of the things that, that we share in the book. And one really important disclaimer for anyone that reads the book, I don't want it, and I hope it doesn't feel remotely judgmental. I am not here to judge parents. I'm not here to tell them that this way is right and what they're doing is wrong. I simply wanna offer a different perspective to get them to rethink some of the things that they do with their kids and then opt for whatever is the best fit for them because I would never tell someone how to parent their children. Taking a quick break in today's conversation, if you do not know, Alan Stein Jr. did just release a brand new book, The Sideline, A Survival Guide for Youth Sports Parents. That is the book we are discussing today. You can buy it online on our Pro Skills Basketball web store for just $10. So if you go to our web store on our website, proskillsbasketball.com, scroll all the way down to the bottom, you will see the sideline, a survival guide for youth sports parents for just $10. Go buy the book, enjoy the knowledge. Let's jump back into the episode. Yeah, and I think we may, you know, as the course of this, this convo progress, progresses we may get into a few of those specifics of what you just said there where parents are doing something with good intention but it's actually maybe harmful we may get into some specifics before we uh, get that specific I just want to talk about the concept of the sideline you know what what does this mean how how does this you know get involved with a survival guide for youth youth parents I'm a huge believer that players need to focus on playing coaches need to focus on coaching Referees need to focus on officiating and parents need to focus on youth sports parenting or encouraging in this case. And that as long as everyone stays in their lane and does what they're supposed to do to the best of their ability, then the child will have the best experience possible. But as soon as people try to cross over, as, as soon as a parent tries to, to coach from the sideline or uh, officiate from the sideline, then we start to have some issues. And the, that's what I've noticed um, I mean, I've noticed it my entire career, but it's become really obvious as I've been attending my children's games just as a novice parent. I mean, I don't coach my children by choice um, and I just kind of sit quietly and observe. And I notice that's where some of these behaviors creep in. And, and as I said before, I know they're very well intentioned, but it's, it's one of the earliest coaching maxims I learned was it's not what you say, it's what they hear. You know, that's something I learned very early as a young coach. And that from a communication standpoint, I might be thinking one thing, 
But if I don't communicate it properly, you may walk away with something different. And uh, that's one of the issues I see with youth sports parenting. You know, some of the things parents are doing, they believe is helping, but in all reality is actually hurting and undermining their child's experience. So that's one of the reasons that, you know, we, we wanted to write the book. And I say we, because my co-author, Rich Soslowski, who's also a huge advocate and fan of, of PSB, is a longtime high school coach brilliant basketball mind and a wonderful father. Uh, and he and I had just had so many side conversations over the last few years about sports parents. We're like, well, why don't, you know, we've got a little extra time during the pandemic. Why don't we write something that hopefully they'll find value in? Yeah. And I think I want to, you know, as add as well from listening to you and, and knowing a little bit about your background. I've known of you for a while. We connected uh, earlier on my older brother. So I've known your name and, and a little bit about you for a while. Uh, you're taking now all of this experience, which is awesome. Again, we'll probably put some of this video on social. I love your background. It's such a great background for this. But you have so many pictures of just being in so many different places. And, and you talk about these Steve Nash and these different people you've been around. And now you're able to take all this info you've collected from all this people, you know, and then now give it in a in a, what I was also pleased to see, a not very long book, because uh, uh, I'm not a, a huge long <laughs> reader. So I also love it. It's concise. And, and I know it's just going to get right down to it. And and I'm looking at kind of the, the table of contents here, and I'm interested in section one. Again, I'm, I'm going to read this. I'm going to check it out uh, as it's kind of a part of what we're doing here at, at PSB. We're very much in line with this same mission. Uh, but when you talk about best practices, I obviously not spoiling the whole book. Can we dive into one or two of those? I, I think you just may have mentioned one, which is yeah. it's not what you say. It's it's what they hear, which uh, I don't need to worry about that with a kid yet. I'm going to worry about that with my wife first for now. <laughs> uh, Alan, let me fix that and then I'll bring a kid in. But uh, maybe one or two we can dive into if there's any secrets you want to give away on the pod. Be happy to. Well, you know, a few things before I do that. One, you know, you all as an organization in general do such a remarkable job with player development and with coach development. And, and it's been my experience that most of the resources out there are directed at players and are directed at coaches, which is wonderful. There's not a lot of things directed at parents. That's the one kind of missing leg to the, the table, if you will, that there's just not a whole lot of education out there for parents that are open-minded to learning how they can improve as a youth sports parent. So that was one of the reasons, you know, with Rich and I both coming up in the coaching world and the playing and training world, we just saw a lack of, of, of good information that parents could, could latch onto. Uh, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that the book is incredibly concise and that was by design. Um, in fact, it's, it's more of a guide or a handbook than it is a traditional book like some of the other books I've written. We wanted something that literally someone could keep in their purse, they could keep in the glove compartment of their car, they could even roll it up and put it in the back pocket of their jeans and refer to it when needed. Um, so it's not really a chapter book, it's more of a, you know, let me, let me read a section that applies to me and what my child is going through now, or, or something that they could read uh, very quickly. I mean, uh, even if you are a slow reader, Christian, it'll take you 40 minutes to read this thing cover to cover. Um, wow. And we wanted it to be very bite-sized so that before every season, a parent could say, I'm going to read this thing um, just to put myself in the right, right frame of mind. So I, I was uh, that, kinda... that was very intentional. Yeah, I was kind of laughing as you were saying it. I was just picturing it's like, you know, mom is walking back with her son to the van after a game. He played bad. He's sad. 
She sits in the front seat, pulls out her, her survival guide, flips the page uh, 32. All right, how do I react now? I, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, in a way, that's almost what's happening. But maybe do that on the front end. Prepare early uh, to, be, to be ready for those situations. That's the idea, right? Talking through some concepts. Hey, this is stuff you're probably going to run into. Your kid's going to fail. Um, they're going to have bad days. And how do you handle those things? And how do you communicate where you don't make the matter worse? And you allow the coach to have the autonomy of being the coach and, and not interfering with their work and what they want you know it's that's that's what it's all about preparing to handle those situations absolutely and it's the book like all of my work whether it's my keynotes or some of the other books i've written they're all just based on principles and that's how i live my life like i live my life based on a, a very small handful of core values and principles and i don't deviate from those so uh, even though my experiences at montrose and damatha my experiences being around guys like kobe and lebron and chris paul and kevin durant I wasn't necessarily learning from them on how to be a better youth sports parent, but I was absolutely learning and observing the core principles that it takes to be good at anything that you want to be good at, to be effective and efficient in anything. And I take those core principles and my main line of work is, is showing businesses how to apply those to their business, but it's the same core principles that you apply as a youth sports parent. Now, the nuances are slightly different, but it's still the same foundation. And, and one of them we've highlighted, you know, from a, a communication standpoint is learning how to speak the other person's language. So it's, it's not necessarily what you want to say, it's what that person needs to hear and it needs to be delivered in a very customized manner that they're going to receive it openly. And, and that's really important too, you know, as parents, we have to recognize that this is our kid's journey. You know, even though we as parents may have played youth and high school sports and had a whole variety of experiences, ups and downs, we can't live vicariously through our children. This is their journey and their path, and we need to be able to communicate things effectively with them. Uh, you just brought up a great point. You know, you're in the car ride home uh, after your son or daughter just, just had a really hard game or they, they lost a close game or maybe they didn't play well. And you got to think, what does my child need from me right now? And my answer to that is they need some comfort, they need some empathy, they need some support, possibly some encouragement. But what they don't need is one for you to dismiss how they're feeling and say, oh, Christian, don't worry about it, man. It's not that big a deal. You'll forget about this a week from now. Well, yeah, I'm saying that through a 46-year-old's lens. When you're 12 years old, that championship, yeah, that championship game you just lost, it feels like it's life and death. And you have to remember that to have that empathy. Um, so we don't want to dismiss their feelings and dismiss what they're going through. Uh, it is also not the time to be critical or judgmental and say, well, Christian, you wouldn't have lost if you wouldn't have turned the ball over in the fourth quarter. Or why did you take that shot? You know that that's not a good, like, that's not the time to be critical there. There may be a time and place for that, but in the car ride home, when emotions are really low is not the time to do that. And I know once again, very well-intentioned parents that do both of those things because they actually think it's going to help. And it's just been my experience having done this for so long now that it actually does the opposite. That will ruin your child's experience. And that's one example. Two things on that topic that come to my mind. Uh, number one, um, I'm a big hip hop fan, Alan, big rap fan. Uh, love just like, yeah, yeah. I love the, I literally like love the concept of people who have mastered language so much orators that not only can they deliver a message, but do it with a cadence. I really get into the appreciation of that. There's an artist named Coda the friend. He doesn't need a shout out, but he has a line, uh, in a song that says what mattered in a moment mattered in the moment. 
And I really love that. What mattered in a moment mattered in the moment. And I just think back to where you can sit and look at that kid and say, hey, you're good. You won't you won't think about this in a week, which is actually probably true. You forget those games quick. You go in the next you play a game two days later, you play well. Oh, you're back on top of the world. But that still mattered in that moment. Don't tell them it do, it didn't matter in that moment uh, was, was one thing that came to my mind. Uh, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I, I think. And oh, I'm sorry. Tagging along. You said empathy, being empathetic. That made me think of. Uh, a great person, maybe three or four years ago, finally broke down to me the difference between empathy and sympathy. I had never uh, challenged myself to go out and look look at the difference, but you know the the concept was like if you see someone stuck down in a hole, sympathy is standing at the top of the hole, looking down and saying, "I feel bad for you." Empathy is going down into the hole, being with them and saying, "Okay, like." this is where you are. This is what you're feeling. If I don't get it, I'm going to respect it. And I think both of those are kind of the, what mattered in a moment and being empathetic, understanding in their shoes, that does matter. Absolutely. So well said. I, I love that lyric about being in the moment and, and yeah, empathy is intentionally trying to see the world through that person's eyes and remembering when I was 12, when I lost the championship game, how did I feel? And I probably felt very similar to how my child's feeling right now. So that can actually be a tremendous connective tissue to, to deepen your connection with your child, make your child feel heard, let them know it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be upset that you lost. I know how much work you put into this and losing does not feel good. And, and, and that is a better connective tissue than either dismissing it or piling on criticism on why they lost. So, you know, and, and these things take practice. And I also understand every child is different. Every parent's relationship with children is different. I mean, even mm-hmm. I'm the father of three kids, uh, twin boys, and, and the way that I talk to and communicate even to my twin sons is slightly different based on what they need and their experience. So these are all things that take practice. And, you know, a, another one of the themes of the book, which runs parallel to a lot of other concepts, is uh, the parents that, that yell instructions from the sideline. They coach from the sideline. You know, this could be something as, as minor as yelling, bend your knees when your kid's shooting a free throw to actually telling them when to shoot or telling them who to pass to. Um, and once again, it's been my experience that parents do this because they believe it is helpful to their child when everything that I've ever read, researched, or talked to someone it is doing the opposite of that. Um, and, and I also realize. When I'm saying youth, I'm basically saying everything from from six years old to 18 years old. And I know Mm -hmm. that is a wide spectrum. And I understand that that the way you speak to a six-year-old is not identical to the way you speak to an 18-year-old. These things are going to be varying. Um, But I know, especially at the younger ages, when parents are yelling instructions from the sideline, it's actually increasing the chaos and confusion. It's actually making it harder for their child to perform on the field or court because there's just there's just information overload, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out the game, they're still not completely coordinated with their body, they're trying to listen to what their coach said, they're trying to remember the rules of the game, like there's so yeah, many things yeah. going on, and a parent yelling from the sideline is only going to, to add to that chaos. Then when you get up into the older ages, let's say high school, where, where they should be able to handle a bunch of different stimuli, um, I've got two issues with parents yelling then. One, I believe very much in the chain of command that the only person that should be offering instruction is the coach or the coaching staff, that that's what their role is, is to coach. And for parents to be yelling things that might not be in alignment or might not be in congruent with what the coach is yelling, 
Mm-hmm. Now the kid's kind of stuck in the middle. You know, my coach is telling me to do this. My, my mom or dad is yelling for me to do that. So that's kind of an issue. I, I think if parents just stick to cheering and encouraging and let the coaches shout instructions, that will help. But where it really robs your child uh, when you're yelling instructions is I believe in every sport, and I know what's brought us together is the sport of basketball, but this is true in every sport. Arguably the most important skill set is the ability to make decisions. Is, is to have a basketball IQ. So yeah, as yeah. a player, you need to learn, when do I make a chess pass or when do I make a bounce pass? When do I shoot and when do I drip? Like you need to get practice making decisions. And if someone is always yelling for you to make those decisions and you're following along like a robot or a puppet, then you're not practicing the skill of making decisions. You know, if you only shoot when your dad yells shoot, then you don't, your basketball IQ never improves. So when we as parents are shouting instructions, we are robbing our child's ability to make decisions. And part of the decision-making process is making bad decisions. It's taking bad shots. It's turning the ball over. It's making the wrong play. But then you learn from that. You get feedback and you course correct. And that's how you become better. And the crazy part is the, the only area in life we ever see this is in sports. You know, no parent in the world shows up to math class and starts screaming yeah. at their child from the back It'd of be the horrible. room. Yeah. You know, you need to add, add, no, subtract, divide, divide. They would never do that. And for the exact same reasons that I just shared. One, it would add confusion. Two, the child needs to decide when to do that and get practice making those reps. So um, I, I would tell parents that if you find yourself emotionally involved in screaming instructions from the sideline, take a deep breath and try to ask why. And then really try and evaluate and do an audit on how that is helping your child. And I think if you do that honestly with some vulnerability, you'll find that it's not, that it's better just to kind of sit back and cheer. Yeah, I, I goodness. I'm trying to take notes as we're talking to make sure I keep track of all my thoughts because you're, you're hitting so many different points. And, and I have so many interesting thoughts based on my experience, which I, I again, don't have a kid, but I really have been in the, in the world of working with you know, uh, 10-year-old, 9-year-old, 13-year-old, 14, 17-year-olds, um, spending a lot of time with just them on a court. And really, actually, from an interesting perspective, I'm only 25. Even when I was 20, I was training uh, kids. I was already really young, and I've been able to connect on an interesting level and just really getting to hear them in a state uh, where they're not uh, worried about what dad or mom might think if they truly express how they feel about situations. I guess what I'm trying to say is I've really been able to get in the trenches with kids and see really how they feel because they've tended to trust me because I haven't at all provided any any immediate negative feedback. If they miss a shot, I'm not, you know, I, I'm big on like, hey, you're good. Next shot. That, like that's yeah. all you can focus on. And, and, and it's just been interesting to hear how a kid wants to be spoken to when they miss a shot. I really haven't met anyone that's like, yeah, I really want to be yelled at or, <laughs> or, you know, that it has the ball and they're like, I love it when dad is telling me to drive, right? Like I just, I haven't met that, you know? And right. I think you bring up a real, just a point that is, I guess, obvious now, but prior hadn't thought about just decision-making. Uh, I think it's what makes me good as a trainer. A lot of the work I do with kids, I'm a, this is a side concept, but as a trainer, I don't, I kind of have this very small philosophy. I don't really use cones or props very often, maybe a trash can on occasion for a ball screen. But my concept is in a game, all you're going to have is a ball. 
And as a trainer, I do a lot of work. I use my body and I position my body in ways. And I ask them to make decisions. If the defender's guarding you this way, X, Y, Z. So I'm big in training on the importance of being able to make decisions and how that helps you in the game and how that's pretty much everything. I don't care how pretty your shot is or your footwork and in any sport, if you can't make the decision in a good amount of time, you're, you're in trouble. And that also applies out into life. So I just think it's, I never would have thought of that. That's huge for a parent to hear and say, wait, let me step back because they need to learn this decision-making skill more than they need to learn how to shoot a three. Yeah. And they just need to get reps. And that's why you're so good at what you do because a good portion of your, your workouts and your practices are devoted to decision-making. And that's kind of the difference between, you know, a, a coach that does drills and a coach that teaches skills. There's a time yep. and a place for both. And many times Agreed. they can be blended together. Um, but if all you're doing is running, you know, static drills and running around cones and there's no decision-making process, then when you get in the game, you don't know when to make a chest pass versus a bounce pass. You don't know when to drive right versus, you know, so we want to give our kids as many repetitions as possible in making those decisions. And we have to understand that in order to get good at making the right decision, you're going to make the wrong decision and you're going to learn from that. And that's part of the experience. And, you know, that, that is what I want to see kids. I don't want them to feel any extra inherent pressure about not making mistakes. Mistakes are a part of every aspect of life and they're absolutely a part of youth sports. And our goal as parents should be to encourage them to push out of their comfort zone till they make mistakes. There is nothing, and I tell, I mean, I have to have this same chat with my own three children. There is nothing wrong with turning the ball over or missing a shot or getting your shot blocked as long as you learn from it and understand yep. why, and then don't repeat that. And where many of these things get lost is at the youth level in particular, whether it's the coach or the parent, but if you value winning over you value over valuing development or fun, that's when you start to have a problem. Because if the only thing you care about is winning, then you're only going to be the play your best players and you're only going to have them do the things they can already do well. Because if, if you have a young player and most young players uh, are very one hand dominant, you know, if they're right handed, they're very good going to the right. They're not very good going to the left. Well, if you only emphasize winning, you're encouraging the kid to only go right because that's the only thing he can do well. And you're telling him if you go left and you turn the ball over, then I'm going to be upset at you or I'm going to take you out of the game or you're going to lose the game for us. They're not going to try to go left because they don't want to mess up. But they're never going to get better at going left if you don't provide a fertile environment that encourages them to do that. So I'm not saying winning is not important. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to win. I'm saying that doesn't need to be the number one emphasis on winning and losing. And anytime I meet a parent who brags about their child's prowess and, and how many games their kid has won, it's usually a red flag that they're not they're not unconsciously concerned with development. They're only concerned with results. And I think that's a very slippery slope. As parents, we need to be process focused, not outcome focused. The outcomes will come over time. And especially if you do this right at the youth ages, by the time your kids get to high school, you'll get a lot of the outcomes that you desire, but we have to provide an environment where kids know making mistakes are okay, especially in a training session or a practice. I would never want a kid to go through a training session and not make a mistake because you did nothing to get better. You just spent yep. 60 minutes doing something you can currently do. In a training <laughs> session, you should see turnovers, missed shots, poor decisions, 
all of that. And every time one of those things happen, then somebody very competent like yourself steps in and shows them why and explains why. And guess what? It starts happening less frequently over time. Yes, I goodness. I'm you've got me over here shaking my head. I just you are talking my language and and you're giving away all the secrets, the success, because this is why parents keep calling me back for more sessions, because I I goodness, I can't explain to you how in line I am with the things you're saying in the way I approach my training sessions. I'm even big. I don't know if this provides any insight, but I'm really big on. Uh, so I do. And, and I also like how you distinguish a skills trainer. I'm speaking from the perspective of, I believe I am, I am a skills trainer. I go and work with kids in one-on-one scenarios. I put them in concepts sometimes, but even there, I have a role, just like the parent has a role, a skills trainer has a role, a coach has a far. So anyways, I like how you distinguish that, but I'm really big in, in training on, obviously we want the shot to go in, but I'm really big on getting it to thing called, I call your shot pocket and your mechanics and where your guide hand is and your shooting hand. And I judge it off that. I do this thing. Uh, any, if anyone I train is listening, they know I have fun a lot where I'll put kids in drills and I will try to call if they're going to make it or miss it based on the moment they shot it. I'll try to say that's in or that's not in. And I really try to judge it based on if they got the ball to their pocket, if they got loaded correctly. And it's it's alarming. They would they would all if you could see them, they would tell you, no, it's kind of crazy how often I do get it right. I definitely miss a few. They'll make a few bad shots. But again, not judging on the outcome, judging on what you actually did, you know, and I, I kind of that's a real focused thin view of a skill session, but you can zoom that out to parents, not focusing on if the shot always went in. Maybe it was a good shot. Maybe your kid played really hard. Maybe they made the perfect decision. Even Steph Curry misses open threes, you know? So I, I just, so with that concept. Well, uh, uh, yeah. And I don't want to veer too off because you and I could probably talk hoops all day long. I know, I know, I know. Your parents need to know that a shot is either good or bad when it's taken. It has nothing to do with whether it goes in. Like yep. you said, you can take a good shot, a shot that is in your range. It's appropriate to the time and score. You're using the correct mechanics. You have good footwork and balance. You're in rhythm. It's in the flow of the game. There's not a better shot to be made. Like that is a good shot to take. And that's what we want to encourage our kids to take. And sometimes that ball doesn't go in. At the youth level, a lot of times it doesn't go in. Or you could have the exact reverse of that. You have a player come down, they put their head down, they dribble through their legs 50 times, they're heavily guarded. It's it's a bad shot based on time and score, rhythm and flow, and they just chuck it up and it happens to go in and everybody's clapping and that's the wrong response. That is a, an awful shot to take and you shouldn't reward a bad shot through encouragement. I mean, it's so a, a shot is, is good or bad the moment it is taken. It has nothing to do with whether it goes in. And that's that's one that I think parents miss. And then, you know, the, the only other big thing that I think uh, applies across the board is the, a lot of parents have this incessant need to be critical of the officials and to, to berate yeah. the officials that they don't like the way that certain calls go. And one thing I have learned, having seen this game from every angle, one's opinion of the referee is heavily dependent on the team you are rooting for. You know, 100%. when a, when a, a questionable call happens against your team, you think it's the worst call possible, but do you notice that the parents of the other team don't think it's a bad call? Like yeah. we have to understand this is our perspective, but way more important than that is I know as a parent, it's not what I say to my children. It's what I model for them. I can talk to my children till I'm blue in the face about being a respectful human being. And if we go out to dinner tonight and I'm rude to the waiter, I just modeled the exact opposite behavior for them. And they're always going to do what I do, not what I say. And the reason I share that is when you are being critical of the referees, 
you are unconsciously showing your child that it is okay to blame someone else and it is okay to make excuses. That the reason you missed that layup is because the referee didn't call the foul takes responsibility and ownership off of your child and you now put it on somebody else. And I just don't think that's the best behavior we can model as parents. You know, no excuses, no blaming and no complaining. And you have to understand too, the referees that referee that officiate youth basketball, there's a reason they're not in the NBA. They're not the best in the world at what they do. And that's okay. I don't say that to diminish them. You know, we have to realize our children are going to make a lot of mistakes. Coaches are going to make a lot of mistakes. So why would we expect the referees to be perfect? The referee at at an eight-year-old basketball game is probably doing this for minimum wage. They're doing it because they love the game of basketball and they want to support youth sports and they're, you know, maybe and get some extra exercise. And we should be commending that, not berating those folks for making mistakes. And we should teach our children, you know, if if you think the referee missed a call or they make a bad call, that's a part of life. One day you're going to grow up and you're going to work in an office maybe. And somebody there is going to make a decision you don't agree with. And you can't blame or complain them either. Like you just have to move to the next play. So if parents would decrease the amount of time they berate referees and yell instructions from the sideline and would simply encourage children, I think it would make the, the environment that much more enriching. Just to round it, you know, all back together, right there, they're taking away the chance for their kid to make the decision. In the moment, right, let's say I'm going to the rim. I'm about to dunk on somebody. We're obviously in a fantasy world right now. Uh, So, you know, I get a little body contact. I miss the dunk. Let's say I land and my immediate thought is, dude, how did I not finish that? Like, that wasn't enough contact. I was there. How did I not finish that? But then let's say I'm a, you know, eighth grader. So I'm not fully mature in myself and thoughts yet. And I can dunk again, fantasy world. I don't even know if I could touch the bottom of the net in the eighth grade. But as I land, I might immediately kind of, you know, take responsibility internally. Let's say it wasn't a dunk. Let's say it's a normal layup. I missed the layup. I got a little contact, but it's into the game. You got to finish that. That's a, that's what the big time players make. But then you get in the car or you immediately hear your parents and they're like, oh, the ref should have called that foul. And it's almost like they could then flip your perspective to be like, oh yeah, wait, that was the ref's fault. I'm actually still... I don't need to work on my layups. I'm good enough. They took that from me. So I even see that in a microcosm of you taking away that decision and them not learning how to self-evaluate. You know, I'm big on teaching the kids I train. Again, I know we could go training all day, but I think it's a broader concept of allowing your kids to fail and learn, fail and learn, fail and learn, and learn how to make those decisions. And and I, we could go all day. I know I've kept you for a while. I, I have one question. Does sure. this at all apply to coaches? This is because oh, when you're talking- 100%. Yes. Okay. And to be honest with you, um, I mean, even middle school and high school age players, I would recommend thumb through this. I mean, ultimately, we tried to write a book that would champion what they're going through and experiencing. So I think if a player would read this and say, you know, hey, mom or hey, dad, why don't you read this section? Because this guy, Alan, really hit the nail on the head of how I'm feeling. Yeah, I think anyone that is involved in youth sports uh, should take a peek at this. And ultimately, that was the goal of the book is to improve the experience for student athletes at the youth and high school level. And in order to do that, we need parents on the same page, coaches on the same page, officials on the same page, and the kids themselves on the same page. So I think if anyone, you know, any of those groups uh, take a dive in uh, and everyone plays their role, we can we can create something a little bit more cohesive. And, and with all of this, if a parent is listening or watching right now and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm that parent that yells from the sideline or, oh my gosh, this last Saturday, I, you know, reamed out the referee. 
don't judge yourself and be critical of yourself. Like I'm not saying any of this to make anyone feel bad or call anyone out. All I want you to do is be responsible for your behavior. Take a deep breath and ask yourself, is the way that you behave at games, uh, before and after games in the car ride home or at dinner, before and after practice, is the way that you're behaving and the things that you're doing, are they enhancing your child's experience or is it undermining your child's experience? And I'm hoping this book will shed some light on some of the things that you may not have even been privy to at the time. And that's really the goal of it. And any of us, you know, back to your, your line from your hip hop friend about the moment, any of us can change our behavior in a moment. You know, if the last 10 years you have been the parent that have been screaming instructions and yelling at the referees, you can't change what you've done for the past 10 years. But if your kid has a game this Saturday morning, you can immediately change your behavior. You don't have to continue to be that parent. You can make a different decision in that moment. And, you know, in order to win the moment, you have to be in the moment and you have to be fully present of what it is that you're doing. And that's that's my hope for anyone that reads this. And I want to thank all of you guys at, at PSB uh, for investing in this book to make sure that every parent in your organization has a copy that just shows how, you know, that you guys do this for the right reasons and how supportive you are of, of youth basketball parents. And for that, I'll be forever indebted. Yeah, I, I appreciate that on, on behalf of PSB. And just to kind of close it out, I, I just think it's, it's a love there at the very end. You say, like, if, if you were a parent or a coach and you're guilty of, you know, screaming at your kid to calm down, I love that one right there. Screaming at a kid to calm down makes no sense. So if you are guilty, don't judge yourself, right? And I, I like how you're, you're just on the concept of the same thing we tell the kids, which is next shot. You know, you're going to make a mistake. The coach is going to make a mistake. The ref's going to make a mistake. Parent, you might make a mistake, but now it's it, how do you respond to it? Right. That's essentially what you're saying. We can't kid uh, a son. I'm telling you, you can't go change your last missed shot. You got to move on. I got to do the same thing. I got to, you know, switch my behavior for that next shot. Absolutely. And let me say this, and I probably should have led the interview off with this in full transparency. I am not coming from a place of mastery. I am a work in progress as yeah. a youth sports parent, just like everyone that I'm, I'm trying to help. And almost every single, and I'll put it in air quotes, almost every single mistake that's listed in that book is something I have done at some point, especially when my kids were younger. You know, the, the way I youth sports parented when they were five, six, seven, eight years old is different than I do now that they're 10, 11, and 12 years old. So, so I've learned as well. And everything in that book, are things that I've done incorrectly in the past and I've I've owned it. I haven't made excuses about it. I've forgiven myself for some of those behaviors and I've just simply moved on. And I hope to continue to evolve and grow as a youth sports parent as my kids matriculate up, you know, past middle school and into high school uh, because it's, it's a, a constant process. I mean, we're all works in progress. Um, I do not have this parenting thing figured out. I do not have this youth sports parenting thing uh, mastered or on lock. Uh, I'm just learning as I go. And I want to share what, you know, what I'm experiencing as I go, because I hope that's helpful to others. Alan, it's, uh, been a pleasure, man. It is, um, evident why, uh, this chapter of your life as a, as a speaker, um, is so successful. Just, I could, we've, we're at 40 minutes. I told you we were going to stay 30 minutes, but I could, uh, man, I had to literally say, nope, we're not talking about this anymore. We're moving on because I could really keep rambling with you. So I, first of all, really appreciate your time. Good conversation to our audience. Uh, go get the sideline. Uh, we'll tag everything in the description below. We'll, uh, we'll be, you know, tagging you on all the social medias, Alan. So uh, to the audience out there, you'll, you'll be able to see where to get it. 
Go check the description. Um, give us a follow at Pro Skills Basketball on Instagram and Facebook and at Pro Skills B-Ball on Twitter. Again, we'll have Alan's info down in the bottom. Alan, one more time. Thanks for joining, man. That's all for the Youth Hoops pod. We'll be back soon for another conversation. Thank you.